springs to mind when I say the words 2.4 children to you? An average family unit? What about a 90s sitcom about a family? No? Does this ring any bells? Yes, that family, the Porters. You might remember or have been told that it was just an average and predictable family sitcom. But throw in some realism, pathos, dark humour, spiritualism and surreal plot lines, including cursed chain letters, poisonous cobras, the accidental killing of neighbours' pets, a cryogenically frozen father-in-law and believing Dracula had moved in next door, to name but a few, the Porter family, as well as the sitcom, were far from average. Join me, J.D. Collins, and 2.4 Children fans, and Andrew Marshall, the creator of the series, who provide memories of working on his classic series in Don't Slam Your Podcast, now available on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Now then. No, that's not right. Now then. Now now then. Now then. I think your first, your first one was right. Now then. Now then. Welcome back, <laughs> Saddos, to another episode. The final episode of the current series of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive with me, Eggs Benedict. And me, Alison Barton-Simmons. How are you, Al? You all right? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, I am. It's, cool. um, it, yeah, it's a Sunday. So it's, yeah, it's all good. Bank holiday weekend. Oh, is it? Oh, you see. Yeah. What bank holiday is it? May? Oh, I don't oh, know. Early May. We don't get that one. But we do get the Queen's birthday off, which I may have told you before, even though you don't. Do we not? I think we we get we get extra... Or we get Jubilee holidays. Extra Jubilee holidays this year. Yeah, we get Queen's birthday every year, but I don't think you do, do unless, you really? you're a civil, unless you're a civil servant in the UK, do you? Oh, right. Okay. No, I don't think we do here. It's daft. I mean, when I when I applied for citizenship, I had to swear allegiance to the Queen. I've never done that when I lived in Britain. <laughs> it's nonsense. Crackers, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's mad. But there you go. Did you have, did you have to put a crown on? Yeah. Salute the, salute the flag and... I had to get dressed up like King Rollo and parade around. <laughs> King Rollo! With little tiny legs. Yep. <laughs> New Zealand's a funny place. So we're on to the final episode of the of our deep dive into Dear John, which always makes us sad when we come to the end of a run, doesn't it? It does. I've really enjoyed going through Dear John again. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute, so I was a bit sad watching this one. Yeah, almost as much, if not equally as much, as The Good Life, I think, which yeah. made me really sad when we got to the end of it. Mm. And this one, which, as we've discussed, may or may not have been intended to be the end. We suspect it wasn't intended to be the end, but just it happened that way because... John Sullivan went on to make Only Fools and Horses in 88 and 89. And then, of course, around the early 90s, Ralph Bates sadly got pancreatic cancer and passed away. So this is the last one, and it actually works quite well as a final episode, doesn't it? It does, but it, it, I still feel like you, you feel like there was so much more, so much more to come, isn't it? And yeah. it feels a shame. Lost opportunity, isn't it? Well, 
It attracted 9.2 million viewers, this one, on December the 21st, because, of course, it was a Christmas special. Yep. And, of course, the episode is called Kate Returns. Now, this one was up against Wish You Were Here and Home James. Do you remember Home James? It was like a... I do. Who was that? Who was in Home James? I'm thinking Honor Blackman, was it not? I don't know. Jim Davidson was the main character. He was like a chauffeur, wasn't he? (sighs) Chauffeur, yeah. And both those shows outperformed Dear John in ratings. I mean, it seems mad to me. Even Wish You Were Here? Like Judith Chalmers Wish You Were Here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 9.2 was quite disappointing. So, I mean, there's an argument to say that the BBC may not have even renewed it, but I think John Sullivan had a certain amount of um, uh, sway. Clout. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. So, yes, so there we go. Sadly, it was only 9.2 million, which wasn't a lot in those days. I know now, mm. I know these days, like the finale of bloody Dancing on the River in Ice, or whatever it's called, <laughs> that shit always, always gets about 8 or 9 million because there's a lot more channels now. But there you go. Yeah. Now, I've been watching Dear John US a bit this week, you know. I've watched three, three or four episodes of Dear John US. I think I mentioned in our bonus episode with our good friend Belinda Lang that, yeah. uh, <laughs> that, uh, in one episode, Sylvia, Sylvia's husband Frank ended up going out with John because John thought she was a woman. Okay. Other things that I've discovered, the, uh, the US Kirk, Kirk Morris, he's very, very Fonz like. You know, is there? Yeah, more more fans like than Peter Blake's portrayal. Uh, he calls Kate. He doesn't call a tiger. He does that really obnoxious US thing that was you'll have seen it in tons of movies and TV shows where a chauvinistic character refers to a redheaded person as red. Okay. Hey, red. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Ah, what you looking at, red? And you know, it's all it's all sort of New Yorky. Okay. There's a lot, I mean, it's very close to John Sullivan's original scripts in, in these early ones I've looked at, and, uh, you know, just a few little embellishments. Like, you know the Janis Joplin windsurfing line? Yes. He says, oh, I saw Janis Joplin windsurfing with Mama Kess. Blimey, right, okay. <laughs> so it's just slight variations, mm. you know, and like, hey, Mrs. Boyd Peters, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> is it. Is it worth a visit? Do you think, as a deep dive, for us to to pick an episode of the American version and yeah, uh, and deep dive it? Do you think we'll, we'll do that? We'll do that. We'll pick one. I think we discussed doing the one with Blom Blomlika, or actually, as she's pronouncing this one, Bloomlika. Bloomlika, okay. Bloomlika, and she's from Bulgaria instead of Poland. I always wonder about that. Why? Why did change? I don't know why they changed these things. Yeah, we could do the one with Woody Harrelson in as Louise's baby mama. Baby Popper, I should say. <laughs> oh, I think I'd like that one as well. Yeah, he won it. Did he win an Emmy? What, for that? For his guests? Well, I don't know. I'm not that well up on it. I'm hoping okay. to find someone who knows Dear John US to maybe guest with us. Yeah. Another interesting twist was the Ricky Fortune um, arc. Yes. R- when Ricky walked off because... Um, who was that band? Frankie? No, no, not Frankie. Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> Freddie <laughs> no. and the Dreamers. <laughs> Freddie and the Dreamers are also in this one, weirdly. But okay. uh, when Ricky is embarrassed, he walks off, and then the brain crowd are expecting Ricky. So John has to go on and pretend to be Ricky. Okay, right. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure why they make these weird decisions, but there you go. Yeah. The other thing this week I, I took in, media-wise, was our friends, the British sitcom History 
podcast. I listened to their episodes on Dear John, which we recommended at the beginning of this run yeah. um, to, to listen to. And um, we didn't reveal it at the time, but we hadn't actually listened to those two episodes because we didn't want it to our stuff to become derivative of what they were saying. Yeah, yes. And uh, obviously those guys are very thorough and very entertaining, but in a way I'm amazed if, if anyone went to listen to their episodes, I'm amazed if they come back to us because they both hated Dear John completely. Oh, no. It's really funny listening to it. They're just absolutely like eviscerated the entire show from top to bottom. Well, they did say when we podded with them, they did say they were interested to hear what we thought of it once we'd rewatched it again. So perhaps they were very much aware that much they didn't like it. Yeah, they were talking very Aww. euphemistically, I think. But um, if you did Aww. listen to that and came back, well, well done because that must have deterred you somewhat listening to the the bile that Alan was. Uh, <laughs> giving forth on the subject we love those guys anyway so you do check out their podcast if you haven't haven't already i should say lastly before we get stuck into this episode this is that we're recording this on the week that that tory mp was caught watching porn in the house of commons yes on his phone by accident in inverted commas i posited the notion on twitter that perhaps he perhaps he was watching some sitcom porno parody and suggested a couple of names, like uh, It Ain't Half Hot Come. Because, <laughs> you know, going strong with something really disgusting. Oh. To the man of porn, obviously. Um, Excellent. Still on the game. How I Ate Your Mother. <laughs> These are all mine so far. Um, going straight up my arse. <laughs> but we got some great we got some great suggestions from the Twitterati, so I'll read a few oh, out. Oh, brilliant. Curb crawling with enthusiasm. Fantastic. Yeah. I liked that one. Up the elephant and round the arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. I suppose like a trunk. I'm waving my hand like a trunk then. Uh, we've got Gary Wank Commander. <laughs> Gary Tank Commander, obviously. Uh, butterflies Undone. Yeah. Rising Cock Damp Knickers. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. very involved. <laughs> Yeah. Babes with a wood. Right. Uh, only when I spaff. Nice. I like that one. Uh, what else we got? Oh, I came up with this one. Filthy bitch and twat flaps. <laughs> uh, what have we got? The tit crowd instead of the it crowd. The it crowd, yeah. Mrs. Brown's toys. Ooh, that doesn't bear thinking about, does it? <laughs> oh, The dick of it. <laughs> Mr. Flicking the bean. Gash, I quite like that one instead of mash. <laughs> the liquor of Dibley, the Brit Ass Empire. Yeah. And a couple that don't even need to be renamed, Peep Show and Some Mothers Do Have Them. Yeah. They could be uh, repurposed for porno purposes. Oh, Bless This House of Ill Repute, The Fen yeah. Street Gang Bang, <laughs> Legs Open All Hours. I like this one. You bang, my lord. Clever. I like that. <laughs> this one's a bit desperate. Two-point ho-hard-ons. <laughs> That's just a porno word salad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I've saved uh, the last two. Oh, I did staff licks twats because I'm filthy. But then the, my, fav- my very favourite one, of course, was bush strokes. Bush strokes. That is my favourite. Brilliant, well. isn't it? Yeah. 
Genius. So well done, Twitter RT, if you came up Thank with one of them. Thank you for them. We enjoyed them. Shall we get stuck into this final episode, which is called Kate Returns? Oh, let's do it. I'm, oh, I feel like I want to put it off, but yeah, let's do it. Dear John, dear John, by the time you read this life, I'll be gone. Life goes on, right or wrong. Now it's all been said and done. So this episode starts with with John answering the door, the external door to the street. Yes. Late in the evening to some hoodlum carol singers, which was, I enjoyed the hoodlum carol singers because they're basically extorting money. They're singing like... um, almost like you would on the terraces at the football, and then threateningly ha- putting their hands out for some money. Yes. And they yeah. weren't very impressed with what they got from John first time round, so they they just did a repeat, didn't they? <laughs> just sang it again. And, yeah, it was very much just chanting, just chanting carols at the door. God rest you, <laughs> gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Cause Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day. <laughs> it's awful. But it was quite a good little um, extra punchline to it when John said, don't be late for school tomorrow as they left. Brilliant. So as if they really could threaten him if he's a teacher. <laughs> he tells Mrs. Lemensky, who of course is lurking in the background, he says, it's just a, a muggergram. <laughs> And Mrs. Lemensky thought it was visitors from the nutty bin. Oh, <laughs> one of them infamous Mrs. Lemensky lines. Do you know that um, song? I think it was in the early noughties. It was like, it was a really good song by a band called The Avalanches. And it's like, that boy needs therapy. That, uh, well, what does that mean? He's a nut. He's as crazy as a coconut. Do you remember it? It sounds like Mrs. Lemensky sang that. Yeah, if I if I had the skills of someone like Will Bates, I'd be putting together a like scratch vid, scratch music video to that with yeah. just, just Mrs. Lemensky calling people fruitcase people and stuff. Yeah, you've been eating chickens. <laughs> I love Mrs. Lemensky. Yeah. So John's um, lame Christmas decorations are mocked by Mrs. Lemensky, who's just followed him into his flat <laughs> unbidden. She does, doesn't she? She just sits down on his bed and, and starts yeah. chatting away. Oh. Well, she's very lonely. It's quite transparent that she's lonely, mm. even though she she doesn't even know his name and just calls him various variations crazy, on crazy, crazy person. person. Mm. So John gives Mrs. Lemensky a Christmas card and, and it, it becomes apparent that this is the first ever Christmas card she's had, not just that year, but in all her time living in the UK, which is over two decades. That is, that is quite sad, isn't it? It is sad, yeah. She she says she struggles to make friends. And to be honest, she's too blunt. I mean, it's not really that yeah. much. That's probably what it is, isn't it? And maybe some racism as well. I think, that yeah, a, a, a mix of both of those things, perhaps. Yeah. I should have said John was uh, John monologued out loud, or was it internal monologue? I can't remember because a bit. I think it's a bit of both. I think an out an outspoken monologue turns into mm. his thoughts before Mrs. Lemensky comes in, where he's saying he's not going to be alone this Christmas because he's expecting an invite from a friend. 
Yeah, I think I think she comes in and goes out, and then he's monologuing about his rubbish decorations and um, ah, okay, and sort of he's hopeful that he's not going to be spending Christmas alone in this room again this year. Which which oh god, that made me feel really sad. Like has he spent a Christmas in there on his mm. own? That's oh. another thing about the US oh, dear John. Cripes. He makes he makes reference to like I'm hardly living the high life in this flat, right? right? You know when he's talking to um, Tosh from the Bill, yeah. But he's he's living in a flat like Monaco from Friends. It's like fuck me, I'd love to live there. <laughs> Doesn't quite yeah. work that that bit. Mm. Anyway, back to proper dear John. Um, I think the reason Mrs. Lemensky left and come back was she went to fetch some wine, didn't she? The homemade wine. Yes, yeah, spinach wine. She shares a glass of the homemade wine with John, and he tastes it, and his face is like nearly inside out because it's just so strong. Yeah, and then. When he says to her, are you not going to have a glass? And she says, no, I hate that horrible stuff. <laughs> it was very um, Peapod Burgundy type stuff. I, I wondered how John's reaction ranked against Mr. Coles in that episode of The Good not Life. Not as good as Mr. Coles, no. He's just not right the up same. there, isn't he? On a pedestal he is Mr. Coles in your is, mind. Yeah, absolutely. This did remind me, though, of when I worked at, at this the, the local newspaper near us. Um, and I the worked ben. there as the, the Ben. I worked as a reporter. It wasn't, it was the very times, actually. Okay. And I used to do stories about a, a, a Romanian family who had set up a charity and, and were going back and forth to Romania to help build an orphanage. Mm. And um, the the dad used to pop in and, and, and sort of give me an update on where they were up to and fundraising. And he once brought me a bottle of, I don't know how he got it into the country, this homemade Romanian spirit. And it right. must have been... It, it must have been knocking on 90-odd percent proof. Jesus. And, and, and I left it in my drawer at work. If there have ever been like a fire, like a mini fire that could have been put out quite easily, anywhere near the drawer. <laughs> honestly, it, I, I'd have been done for arson, I'm sure. Because it, yeah. it, it, it was, it was, it was, honestly, I've never tested anything like it. It, 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 it had fumes, you know, like if you opened your mouth afterwards, you could see like the fumes coming out because it was so strong. Wow. So I could only picture how bad the, the spinach wine was. What do they call that type of stuff? Is it pochine or something like that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, moonshine. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, it was so thick. It was almost chewy. It was It was Ooh. really potent, really potent stuff. That's made me think of special brew, how, how horrible that was to drink. Yeah, not enjoyable. No, Sean Locke used to do a routine where he said... Uh, that garage is self-special brew. And he said, it's not exactly a driving drink, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Go on, Sean. Mrs. Lemensky also reveals that she's from the Czech-Polish border. Yes. Uh, and she's got three grown-up children spread out all over the world. So it's nice to know that she has had a family, isn't it? And that she's not just yeah. this lonely old spinster who's never lived. Mm. And she says, in Christmas 1934, which obviously seems like such a long time ago now to us, you know, nearly 40 years later. Yeah. She says her husband brought home a record that they used to play on the gramophone, the only one they'd ever owned, and then she sort of sings it to John. Yeah. In Czech, I guess, or Polish. Well, he was Austrian. The the, the, the guy, the opera singer, was was Austrian. And, cause I, I tried to look up what it, what it was, the song, but mm. I, I couldn't quite... I don't, I, obviously, my, my Austrian's not... <laughs> Oh my God. It's not up there. Um, so I, could, I couldn't pick out the actual title in order to find the song. But I think I think it was Austrian. 
Well, if I can find it, I'll use it as the uh, the exit music to this episode. So it was a tradition for her and her husband, Branislav, which is a name that I like. Yeah. Branislav. Branislav. Every Christmas Eve until he left for the war and never came back, you know, they'd put it on on Christmas Eve on their gramophone and they'd dance. And she says, some people think he was captured by the Russians or killed by Nazis, but she likes to think he met a nice woman with a hi-fi system. I just thought that was so sort of poignant and... What a, the, the whole sort of backstory to Mrs. Lemensky has only come really in this episode. We just see her yeah. as this woman that lurks around and she's actually got this quite sad backstory. Mm. Uh, she's she's had a family, she's had a husband and a kid she doesn't know where they are now and they don't get in touch and she's spent the last 20 Christmases on her own. Oh. With no Christmas cards. With no Christmas cards. Oh, Mrs. Lemensky. You're a lunatic person. They should put you in a home for fruitcase people. Hello, this is a broadcast signal intrusion from RetroTube Archive Television Podcast. Every week on RetroTube, two best friends take it in turns to introduce each other to their favourite TV shows from the 60s, 70s and 80s. I inflict onto Heather all the weird, low-budget, hauntological shows held together with sellotape and stored in an empty cupboard in the back of your most fevered nightmares. And also Doctor Who. And I make Adam watch the glossy, colourful spy shows with a budget of two separate feature films and starring impossibly glamorous trendsetters in sparkly catsuits and the finest Savile Row slacks and blazers and also Thunderbirds. So far we've covered Man From U.N.C.L.E., The Adventure Game, The Persuaders, Blake 7, Battle of the Planets, Mission Impossible, Grange Hill, The Monkeys, Magical Mystery Tour, The Prisoner, Prisoner, Children of the Stones and ooh, all sorts. If that sounds like it'd be right up your proverbial televisual strasser, why not look up RetroTube on your favourite podcast provider? As with all the best things in life, we are best enjoyed with a good brew and a biscuit. Adam, would you like to have the last word? <laughs> Hopefully people will know what that means. <laughs> so so we cut to a house party where Louise is there, but she still she said hello to John. She still doesn't know the, the bastard's name though, does she? No. Even after two it series. Pissed me off that. Pissed me off. Ralph and Sylvia are there somewhere too, because we can hear Sylvia's laugh. <laughs> and uh Louise and John are discussing Kirk's mysterious absence of late. He hasn't been to the one-to-one club. And um, I don't know if they're missing him or just curious as to where he's gone. But this mm. is this is really the, the main crux of this episode, isn't it? Where's Kirk? Kirk's disappeared. Where's Kirk gone? Yeah. John takes the opportunity to invite himself to Louise's house for dinner on Christmas Day. But she body swerves it. She does? Yeah, she says she'll be with her ex for some not particularly well-established reason. I didn't really understand. Yeah, that, that's what they always they always spend that time together, and it, and it, 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 he he sort of he's all right. Once he's had that time together, he he goes off and does his own thing. But I just assume I, I assume that she was a divorcee as well. So why is she spending it with her ex? Hmm. Odd. Louise reveals, uh, though, at this point that Kate is back on Christmas Eve. She's back from a trip to Greece and around Europe, and yeah. that there's going to be a welcome home meal for her booked a restaurant on Christmas Eve. Mm. So that's uh, interesting. And obviously we knew she was coming back because of the episodes called Kate Returns. But um, Sylvia turns up. And like Louise before her, she's sort of sympathising with John because Louise was also making reference to the fact that John won't be with Toby at Christmas. I think John's getting a bit fed up of being reminded of it though, isn't he? Sort of like, yes, I know. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. But John invites himself to uh, Sylvia's for Christmas too. 
second try. He has another try, doesn't he? I think he's just assuming if he works his way through the list, eventually someone will say yes, but it's not going to be Sylvia because she's got a house full. Yeah, I'm glad Sylvia's got a, got a house full at Christmas. Yeah, she's got a, a, a kids and she said there's, there's some guests. And yeah. she asks if John's going to be alone, but he's, he's too proud to admit that that's the case. Yeah. So he just moves on to Ralph, who for some for some reason is covered in plasters on his face. <laughs> and he's still looking at his photo of Blonde Lico. Oh, I didn't clock that, was he? Is that what he was doing? Still, yeah. Well, Ralph's spending Christmas with his mother, so he's a no-go too. So he's not doing very well, John, is he? Oh, Ralph's had a bit of an issue, though, hasn't he, with the Hells Angels that live next door? Yeah, that's what the injuries are, isn't it? Because he decided to complain about their sort of hijinks. Oh, it's more than dear. hijinks, isn't it? It's like f- fighting with flit knives and machetes yeah. out in the street, yeah. He did go out, though. He, he tried to go and sort it, though, and um, tell them to be quiet, but they threw him into a holly bush. He's pretty fearless, Ralph, you know. He is, isn't he? Yeah, you see, he's got like a really sort of strong sense of right and wrong, hasn't he? And he wants, he wants to sort of put things right and... Mm. Against all odds of him not being a very sort of strong physical person. Yeah, because he says he just went and put his dressing gown and slippers on and went out to complain because <laughs> somebody had to, you know. Aww. So he's got a strong moral compass. Yes. Didn't do much good because he ended up covered in scratches from the holly bush. And yeah. turns out that he got one of them arrested. And uh, they're clearly bearing a grudge because he had a note through the door, did he? Saying something like, we'll get you for this, you four-eyed prat. No. <laughs> Not four-eyed prat. <laughs> That's really harsh, isn't it? Real harsh words from a biker gang. You're a four-eyed prat. <laughs> you wally. Wally. <laughs> <laughs> you blighter. So anyway, Ralph wishes that Kirk had been there to, uh, so that Ralph could have availed of his martial arts skills and sorted them yeah. out. Yeah, well, I wouldn't believe everything you hear. Oh, no, he told me himself. He's a great kendo fan. Are you sure he said... Kendo and not Ken Dodd. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Ralph refers to Kirk as being his best friend here as well, which I yeah, thought was quite sweet. That's sweet, isn't it? And he is mm. concerned that the group haven't seen them, yeah. seen or heard from from Kirk in ages. He says, "When I called Kirk's penthouse, because he still believes this, you know, web of lies." Yeah. He says a strange Irish lady answered, saying she'd never heard of Kirk's imprints. Which, it's weird because Ralph's forgotten all about what John told him about Kirk's slash Eric, hasn't he? Yes. It's like it's been discounted. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? That he's just sort of just completely ignored that and Mm. he's he's concerned, isn't he, about his best friend? Yeah, so I think this is why John then makes his excuses, clearly with the intention of um, popping around to Kirk's place and checking, checking up on him. Yeah. Making sure he's okay. So we cut to Kirk at home, who is, you know, in full Eric form, reading yes. his reading his Nam comic. Nam magazine. Oh, love the. He was making machine gun sounds while he was reading it as well. A big kid. While his um his Irish mammy is watching every second counts and singing the praises of the sainted young Paul Daniels. Young, uh, the fact that she called him young Paul Daniels that just yeah, it just I don't know. It made me feel a bit uncomfortable. Don't, it's not a word, is it, that you associate with Paul Daniels? Young. No. Creepy? A couple of things that she she said just made me feel weird. Just like odd odd turns of phrase that were weird. 
I don't know. It didn't strike me as that weird because it was very Irish mammy and I'm kind of used to Irish mammy talk, I guess. Do you know Paul Daniels' real name was uh, Newton Daniels? Was what? Newton. Newton Daniels? Yeah, you're looking incredulous. Do you not believe me? You think it's a joke? I'm waiting for a... I'm trying to figure out a punchline before you tell me. No, that's his... That's Is that his genuine, real name? Yeah. Newton? If anything, it seems like it's the wrong way round because Paul Daniels sounds like an ordinary boring name, you know, like Reg Dwight or Gordon Sumner. And... Yeah. And Newton Daniels sounds far more like a, sh- a showbiz stage name, but it's the other way around. It does. Yeah, weird, eh? My granddad was a singer, just around, in and around sort of like the Northwest. And his, he had, he had a stage name. Oh, he yeah. Was, he, he, yeah, his real name was Fred Brown. Right. Which is not very starry. Um, and his stage name was Paul Brent, which isn't massively more starry. Not a, not a huge step up, no. It's not, is it? It's not. It's not new to Daniels, though, is it? No, Paul Brent. Paul Brent. If I Google Paul Brent, will I get any old school I posters? I don't know. I don't know. But we've got like newspaper cuttings of 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 him with his stage name and. What type was he? Was he like an Elvis tribute act or? He, no, he was a ten. He was a tenor. Well, I mean, you've got to start somewhere. He can build his way up and charge more. <laughs> Work his way up <laughs> twenty and fifty. Do you know what though? When when we were watching the Mrs. Lemensky husband record scene, yeah. um, it did remind me because we found my granddad had recorded some um, some 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 songs on record in in like a, in, in Bolton that we didn't have a record player to play because you, you can get like what is it like a th- you get thirty three. And then you, what's the, is it 45? Yeah. And, but these are like the in-betweeny one that you play at a completely different speed to anything else. But he'd, he'd recorded his own music. Some of it was in in Italian. He wasn't an Italian speaker, but he'd learnt it phonetically yeah. to be able to sing it as in, as a tenor um, in Italian. And we've we've still got these records now. And we've, we had to go out and buy a record player that, that looked a bit like John's record player to, to play these on. Because it had the correct speed setting. Yes, to play it at the correct speed. So we've, there's only one player. We've only got this like one record player that you can play them on. Right. But it reminded me of of Mrs. Lemensky sort of feeling so fondly about her her husband's record and dancing at Christmas time. Talking of Italian, mm. I went to Sardinia once on my holiday, and I arrived late in Sardinia, and I had to go and pick up the keys to the house that we'd rented, and I had to right. meet this local Sardinian at a bar, and it was 11.30, 11.45 at night. Okay. And it felt a bit dodgy, and I'm hanging around outside this bar looking for this guy who's not shown up on time, and the proprietors and the bar flies in the bar are sort of looking at me, like, who's this guy hanging around, this, you know, yeah. fat white guy? He's <laughs> like just lingering outside my bar nearly midnight. So one of them come up to me to try and check up on me, because I don't speak a word of Italian, I didn't really, I couldn't get my point across. And so, you know the way when you're abroad and you start trying to speak pidgin French or wherever you oh, are? no, yeah. So I just, I fell back on the only bits of Italian that came to mind, which was lyrics from Miss Sarajevo that Pavarotti sings. You know the U2 song, Miss Sarajevo? <laughs> I said... So what did you say to, you say to him? Well, I've just Googled the lyrics. I said to him, I said, Non so più preghiera... Which I thought might be like non so più, like I don't speak. Yeah. So non so più preghiera, nell'amore, non so più sperare, 
quell'amor non so più aspettare. I didn't say it all at once. It's just he kept talking to me and I kept saying these lines back to him. You two lyrics to him. Yeah, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but when I looked it up and it says, so, so what it translates to is, I no longer know how to pray in love I can no longer hope. And that love, I can no longer wait. You crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> you nutcase, fruitcase person. This guy was just shaking his head at me and walking away oh, like, no. I think he must have call, called the local loony bin. <laughs> yeah. Did you get your keys? I did. The guy turned up like half hour late. I think the moral of the story is just not to quote you two lyrics or Pavarotti. No. When no. You, when you're on your jollies. So in between um, her praise for Newton Daniels, um, this Irish yes. mammy, Mrs. Morris, she's, she's being... She's making passive-aggressive mean remarks about Eric being thick and she reminisces about applying to 321 on Eric's behalf, but she, they never heard back and she thinks it's because of Eric's big ears. Yeah, they only wanted married couples and he said you don't see, you don't see big ears on telly except with Noddy and at a royal wedding, which I thought was a really funny line. <laughs> but she doesn't seem to think that he was self-conscious and Eric sort of says... I used to hide in my wardrobe so no one could see me. It was just him and his torch and his incredible Hulk album. So he clearly was very self-conscious, but she's so awful a mother that she hasn't picked up on these awful remarks that she's making. He's, abs- he's traumatised, isn't he? He's got really bad trauma, the poor dude. I think he, go- he goes and picks up a-, a photo album from 1960 where he sat on Bogner Beach in a heatwave with a balaclava helmet on. <laughs> with reindeers on it. <laughs> yeah, to hide his ears. So you think she'd have picked up on the hint that he's self-conscious about his ears. She lambasts Kirk. She says, you've not been out for weeks, you know, stop moping about the place, which I guess explains Kirk's absence from a one-to-one scene. Yeah. He's not been going out at all, never mind to the one-to-one club. He uh, he says, I'm saving up my money for plastic surgery. Uh, and she thinks it's for his ears, but he says, no, it's for your mouth. <laughs> Touche. I agree. She whacks him though, doesn't she? That's another <gasps> Irish mammy thing. She just she just gives him a swipe. You remember the time when I wrote off to three two one? I sent them your photograph and everything, but we never heard back though, did we? No. As I said at the time, they want married couples on their show, not a thirty-six-year-old bachelor and his mum. <laughs> well, personally, I think they spotted your ears. <laughs> they don't want people with big ears on television. <laughs> never see big ears on telly unless it's naughty or a royal wedding <laughs> you've always had them ears haven't you yes still they've had their advantages haven't they yeah my glasses never fallen off <laughs> so mrs morris is trying to set up eric with some munter with big with gums too big for a mouth it transpires with una una yeah and eric says you're not getting me off with that dollop which is not oh, very I kind I don't like either. the word dollop, but oh. Yeah. And then they're going to invite her around for tea. For a cooked tea. A cooked tea, that was it. I knew it was something that involved food and it being hot. That's a really odd thing. What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the opposing? Cold cuts. An uncooked tea, like picky bits. Cold like cuts, yeah. Rolls. Maybe. So is this supposed to be like a, an exciting thing where a cooked tea is a is a, is a better option than... A buffet, for example. I think, again, it's a very Irish thing. Right, okay. My nan used to make me, not that my nan's Irish, her grandfather was, but she used to make me, because we're all from Liverpool, so it's all Irish yeah. descent. Yeah. She used to make me something she called lovely dinner. <laughs> Do you think that's an equivalent of a, of a cup of tea? 
No, I, well, lovely dinner, which was the name she gave it, was basically she chopped up an apple, she chopped up a banana, she chopped up some, <laughs> she she got a bunch of grapes, chopped up some cheese. Sometimes there might be a bit of peach on there, and then she just given me a plate full of fruit and cheese, and that was lovely okay. dinner. Like that's dinner like a plowman's, a, a potential a potential plowman's there, fruit and fruit and cheese. It's almost like a cross between a plowman's without the bread and a fruit okay. salad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah lovely it was tea. nice lovely dinner it was just basically dinner, sorry. just fruit and a bit of cheese you know oh fancy a bit of lovely dinner i fancy that now do you well, bit of a lovely dinner there you go i'll make you one when you come over thank you fruit and cheese so mrs morris she says that she'll make her something special so she doesn't have to chew <laughs> <laughs> she's a bloody bitch isn't she she disappears for a bath at this point and the doorbell goes Obviously, it's John who's popped around to check on check on Kirk. Mm. Eric unlocks it cautiously. There's like about a billion bolts he has to undo. <laughs> it's like four knocks, isn't it? It's funny. And um, John invites himself in. But unfortunately, he walks into the bathroom where Mrs. Morris is taking a bath. <laughs> Not a good move. But Kirk says, no. it's, it's all right. He's a teacher. <laughs> yeah. What an odd thing to say. I think it was still in those days where authority meant something whereas these days yeah. teachers are more likely to be sex perverts than anything else uh no sorry teachers don't mean you particularly <laughs> yeah, not you in particular fucking hell john explains that he's come from a party and everyone was asking where kirk was but eric says at this point kirk st moritz is no more i've disowned him yeah never going to be seen again kirk was a crass arrogant obnoxious man that everyone hated well, I wouldn't say hated, despised, maybe. <laughs> Kirk failed. Kirk says he realised Kirk had failed when his his tiger packed her bags and left for Greece. Oh. But John reveals that she's back for Christmas and says, come along as Eric, come along as yourself, or even come as Kirk if you like. But Kirk says, you'll never see Kirk and you'll probably never see me ever again. He's in a real low space, isn't he? Oh, he is. He is. Eric says, I've got a woman lined up anyway, referring to the, the gummy girl, Una. So John basically just accepts this and wishes Eric all the best, doesn't he? Eric sees him out. Yeah. He, he asks John, doesn't he, to make an excuse on Kirk's behalf to Kate when she turns up for the meal. I think he suggests an Afghanistan mission that Kirk is on. And John says he's just going to say, yeah. I'm just going to tell her, tell her that you've moved to Luton. <laughs> <laughs> more reasonable. Oh. I like Richard Briers. I like Richard Briers. I like Richard Briers. I like Richard Briers. So, yeah, so that's all very sad, and we're all like, oh, God, Kirk's in a bad way, you know. Yes, yes. The next scene we see is now outside Wendy's house, where John is there to pick up young Toby, played by our friend Will Bates. Yes, he's taking Toby out for the afternoon, but he's he's under strict instructions to bring him back in time for a bath. Yes, before he goes off to his Christmas time away with his grandparents. Yeah, that's right. And because uh, Mike answers the door, doesn't he? It's a different Mike. It's not the same Mike. No, I I, I spotted that. I, I think this this guy was actually Welsh because he sounded like the accent fitted. I'm not sure he was, you know. I just think really? he was. Really? I just think he did a better impression. Oh, yeah. just a better actor. 
Okay. But Mike's telling John about Toby spending Christmas in Cheshire and he says, they're lovely people. John says, I know they are my parents. They're his <laughs> mum and dad. So, which begs the question, why has John not got an invite with yeah. Toby to his, his own parents' house? It's not really explained, is it? Probably just no. doesn't doesn't fit the plot. It felt very, it just felt a bit weird to... Well, it's clearly, it, it, it's done this way because at the end... John Sullivan obviously wanted Wendy on her own. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. But it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense when you when you think about it. No. Mike disappears to the rugby, and then Wendy brings our friend Will, Toby, to the door. Yeah. Wendy and John seem on fairly good terms, and everything's okay. He's mm. you know a bit irritated by being bossed about, John, but they wave Mike off, and he drives off recklessly in John's old car. When Toby's sort of says, "He doesn't Uncle Mike drive fast?" I don't know how John, John manages it. Mike's there in his house with his wife driving his car. Yeah. I, I just, oh my God, I just find it really frustrating. He's been playing a lot of uh, rugby with Mike as Toby and John John says to Toby, I didn't think you liked rugby anymore. And Toby again shows what a, a kind and caring kid he is because he confesses he doesn't, but he just pretends to to keep Mike happy. He says, you know what adults are like. Yeah, he's, he's very grown up, isn't he? quite a sweet kid. Toby's a very mature boy. So then it cuts to John. He's back on his own, obviously had his day out with Toby. He's in the usual boozer ordering a pint of ordinary, which I don't know what a pint of ordinary is. I have heard it before, but I don't know what it is mm. as a drink. Was it one pound and two pence? Yes, twopence. For a pint. Twopence for a pint. Pretty good. And as, as John looks around for a seat, he sees Eric sort of wearing a Mac with the hood right up, doesn't he? And he's fiddling with his coin purse. <laughs> Yeah. With change. Oh. And Eric says, what are you doing here? You never come to this pub. That's why I came here, ignoring the fact that this is the, totally the normal pub that we always see them in. Yeah. <laughs> it's the oh. same pub. Oh. Eric's really, he's, he's, it really throws him, doesn't it? Because he's, he's not expecting them all to turn up and sort of catch him there as as, as Eric. It, he's desperate to sort of get away, isn't he? Yeah, he is, but... I don't know. I'm reading too much into it because it obviously wasn't scripted like this, but I like to think that a part of him wanted to see wanted Kate to and wanted to be, yeah, wanted to be there and be around his old friends. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, John asks Eric to join them all, you know, but Eric's having none of it. He says he's going to scarper as soon as he's finished his bevy. Yeah. I think he's got his dry cleaning with him as well. So John says, how did the date go with uh, Una? You know, with a cup of tea? <laughs> how did that work out? <laughs> Eric says she was five foot tall, 300 pounds, and teeth like tombstones, and she had more gum than Wrigley's, which I loved. I love that line. <laughs> so John says, oh, so it's not going to work out. He said, no, she didn't fancy me. <laughs> oh. So that was the problem, not the other way around. Yeah. It's just a real, real sad life that he's leading at this point, isn't it? Yeah. So Ralph unexpectedly turns up early in his full motorcycle combination paraphernalia, and, and Eric panics somewhat, I think. He tries to turn away, but John introduces them. Yes. And somewhat somewhat unbelievably, but in, in, in a kind of Clark Kent way, which foreshadows what comes a bit later. Yeah. Ralph doesn't recognise Eric as Kirk at all. No, totally misses it. Totally misses it. Do you think that Peter Blake was made to look more Clark Kent looking in this episode? I saw that straight away. I think he looked the same as last time, but maybe he had that. Maybe he had this arc in mind for Kirk anyway. At that, there point. was definitely that 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 vibe to it that he, that he was he was supposed to be 
in the same way that we see we see Clark Kent and think, how does no one know that he's Superman? Yeah, yeah I, I feel it had that same feel to it. So, but John introduces the two of them, and John says Eric's a fellow teacher, and there's a, a great but totally predictable joke where Ralph says, "Well, what do you teach?" Nice to meet you, Eric. Nice to meet you, Ralph. Are you a colleague from John's school? Yeah. Oh, I see, yeah. What do you teach? Children. <laughs> I loved it. The delivery of the line as well, I thought was um it was it was just very well well done. Yeah, I think it, I think we said in the last Eric Morris episode, which was the final of the last series actually. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it, because he's not the main character, but the main beats of the comedy revolve around him. Yeah. And and the sort of dramatic beats, I guess, is what I mean. Well, the co- comedic beats as well. Every, I mean, mm. To me, he's the sort of, yeah, he's a break, well, he's not the breakout star because he didn't go on to do anything high profile, but he's definitely the most memorable character, shall we say, from the show. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Whether that gets him the MVP at the end of this episode for the entire series, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Ooh. But yes, yeah, so Eric stays at the bar I think for a moment, and John and Ralph sit down. Ralph says to uh, John, Eric seems familiar, but I can't quite place him. He seems nice enough, but a bit boring. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, this episode especially made me feel that Eric and Ralph would be such good friends. They would, You could yeah. see that they would get on, and it's a shame. Eric overhears that, though, doesn't he? So mm. it, this is just another way of knocking his fragile confidence even further. Absolutely, yeah. He sort of yeah. turns around and sort of, he just looks a bit mortified, doesn't he? Yeah. That Ralph, the epitome of, of a sad sack, is basically saying that he's boring. Thinks he's boring. Mm. So, so I think he grabs his dry cleaning and tries to leave, but just as he's about to head out the door, he hears Sylvia and Louise coming the other way. So yep. again, he panics and spins around and quickly grabs the nearest seat so they don't bump into him and recognise him. And uh, Louise and Sylvia are squabbling about Louise's driving as she's just had a prank in a car wash. <laughs> <laughs> Takes some doing, doesn't it? It does. Ralph goes to the bar to get some wine for the ladies and Louise takes the opportunity to slag off the homemade wine at the party the previous night, which John is looking a bit embarrassed about because clearly he was the one who brought it. Is that because it's Mrs. Lemensky's wine? I assumed it was, that it was the Mrs. Lemensky homebrew spinach homebrew yeah i've only just made that connection now and i made yeah. these notes and everything i didn't yeah <laughs> silly me it all comes together it's all very well woven isn't it mm. sylvia remarks that ordinarily kirk would get the blame for this vile wine and louise says well that was one thing she liked about that cretin you could blame oh. him for things and again kirk's one table along and he, he overhears Sat there. she doesn't know that to be fair doesn't matter yeah, but he is a cretin, isn't he, Kirk? Eric might not be, but Kirk is a cretin. Mm. I don't blame Louise for that. Yeah, okay. And then Kate bursts in, played by our friend Belinda Lang. Uh, Kate bursts in <laughs> with a big ta-da, and they all embrace her. She did. Um, Eric just sort of looks over forlornly, longingly. Oh. She's got a tan and a new haircut as well. She has, yeah. It's never that far removed from... The Bill in 2.4 Children haircut, is it, though? No. Although it is quite far removed from that in this Sister Boniface mysteries. Have you seen it? Oh, wow, yeah. She looks she looks completely different. Yeah. Obviously. There's one episode of it where she she's a honey trap 
to catch a murderer and she excellent in the sister in sister boniface so they have to yeah. beautify this old lady her name's mrs clam i think the character right so you, you can see that underneath all of that old lady kind of get up she's still yeah. a beautiful woman you know she's still beautiful i was blown away by how pretty she still was unrecognizable not so far removed from the the kate character or the bill character just just, just lovely just lovely. Yeah, it's quite it's quite watchable in that gentle, mm. you know, local village murder yeah. um, way. You know, the way that yeah. these these places, they always seem to be awash with murders Yeah, in, in the middle of nowhere. Like what my nan used to call the Summerfield Mysteries. <laughs> what was it called? <laughs> the John Nettles in. <laughs> they all, they've all got the same vibe, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Although it, I don't think it was set in a supermarket. I think my nan got a bit. No, I don't think so. <laughs> this is the woman, though, who uh, thought she was watching Lost when I gave her the DVDs and she was actually, hadn't turned it to AV. Okay. And she was actually watching ITV and thought she was watching my DVDs. So when I said to her, how are you getting on with Lost? Oh, it's all right. But the big gorilla's getting on my nerves. <laughs> I said, there is a big polar bear in Lost. But no big gorilla. <laughs> Turned out she'd been watching Kong, the movie Kong on ITV. No way. That is brilliant. And I said, and it was on ITV, so I said, did it not keep going to adverts? He said, yeah, I thought that was weird on a DVD. <laughs> oh, that's ace. And I said, when it went to adverts, did it not keep coming up Kong on the screen? Well, now you mention it. <laughs> that is fab. Oh. She is a character. So, Louise wants the latest gossip about the man that Kate has apparently met out in Greece called Christos. Christos. Mm. And Kate very coyly admits that he's lovely. And you see a real pitiful sneer from Eric in the background. Oh. Kate asks if any of them have ever tried a drink called a Metaxa. This I just backed on it to a few episodes ago where they were talking about it being an aphrodisiac. Were they? To her or? Yes, Metaxa's an aphrodisiac. Um, when she wasn't there, Kirk had heard this. Is this why he ended up getting drunk? Because he was... Oh. Because he was sort of panicking that she was going to run off with a, a Greek after drinking loads of Metaxa. Mm. Sylvia says it is supposed to be an aphrodisiac and Kate sort of says, well, it works. And then oh. <laughs> Eric behind him, he just lets out this sort of injured wailing sound, doesn't he? <laughs> So anyway, the group are preparing to depart for this Greek restaurant that Louise has booked. But not before John invites himself to Kate's now for Christmas to save her from being alone. But of course, Kate has brought Christos home with her. Yeah, she's not interested in having sad sack John round. No. And there's another wail from Eric one table along, isn't there? Oh, God. So, glad to be home. Well, I had some reservations, but... It is Christmas, isn't it? Uh, right. I've been thinking, Kate, I don't like the thought of you being on your own over the holidays, so if you like, I'll come round to your flat on Christmas Day and keep you company. Oh, that's very sweet of you, John. But there's a bit of a snag. I brought Christos home with me. Oh. <laughs> You're not going to be on your own over Christmas, are you? Me? No, no, hundreds of invitations. Oh, good. Well, should we get going? And as Kate, John and Ralph prepare to leave... Sylvia, Sylvia and Louise have already gone at this point. A raucous motorbike gang suddenly arrive, clearly the same Hells Angels that were referenced by Ralph. Yes, Ralph's neighbours. So these Hells Angels fellas, right, one of them is clearly Big Ron from EastEnders. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
they're, they're very stereotyped. They're just covered in grease and dirt. I thought it was quite yeah. a bit OTT, really. Just like ponytails and, and, and leather waistcoats, isn't it, really? And smudges on the face to show that they yeah. don't wash. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they've been fixing... The, I was going to say fixing a chain on their bike, but that's a push bike, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You're not much of a hell's I'll- angel if you're going round on a BMX, are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they call they call, they recognise Ralph and call him the combination cowboy, which I thought was ace. Well, the the lead guy, the guy that uh, Ralph got arrested, he has some yeah. great lines. I thought, yeah. Ralph's full of bravado though, because this time there's two of us, and he nods at John. And oh my god! And he threateningly points out that John is an ex rugby player. <laughs> As if that makes any difference. Because the angels are scathing and they say to John, well, who did you play for? And John says, I was a regular at teacher training college. <laughs> no way. So, so the Hells Angels, they grab Ralph and they start sort of roughhousing him. John urges the barman to call the police. But I think the, the barman's a bit of a coward, isn't he? He says, I've seen nothing to the angels. because yeah, he doesn't want to get involved. doesn't want to get duffed up himself, does he? Mm-hmm. So John turns to Eric. He says, "Are you just going to sit there?" And Eric says, "No, I'll see you around." And he darts for the back entrance. Oh. But in the hallway, we see Eric pause as he hears his friend Ralph screaming behind him. Yeah, and he's clearly torn, isn't he? He's looking furtively between the exit and the door back to the bar, and then he looks at his dry cleaning and he looks at the toilet door behind him. And he dives into the toilets and we start to hear the theme from the theme tune from Superman start to chime. And then it's really well done because it cuts back to the bar while this refrain sort of continues. And we, we see Kate being pushed and pulled about a bit. Uh, I think Big Ron's got John in a headlock, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. And then we cut back to the <laughs> toilet and coming out the doorway, predictably but brilliantly, Kirks and Moritz just struts out, doesn't he? I don't know about you, but I'm punching the air at this point. It's brilliant. I loved it. I absolutely, as did the audience who who let out an audible cheer as well. Yeah. Which made me very happy. Yeah. And he does like a, before he walks into the bar, he does like a fancy click of the fingers, doesn't he? Like, right, click, and he's in. Yeah, come on, let's get the show on the road. And the audience are cheering. And then, well, we see Ralph (laughs) hanging by the back of his collar from a (laughs) coat peg. John's still in in the headlock from Big Ron, and Kirk just booms, whoa. Um, Ralph says, Kirk, look at me, Kirk. I'm on a call, Kirk. <laughs> but, I mean, they all freeze, don't they? All these angels are like, whoa, who's yeah. this? And then, again, the main buddy has a brilliant line where he says, oh, dear, I wonder if he's catching. And Big Ron says, what? And he says, Saturday Night Fever. Yay. <laughs> Oh dear. I wonder if it's catching. What catching? Saturday night fever. <laughs> so Kirk saunters up to the main villain, moving chairs out of the way in a sort of threatening way, like it's going to mm. kick off. And he just exhales in disgust and says, Last time I smelled something like that, it had just been put down. 
Now, it appears to me, rat breath, <laughs> that you and your missing links here are upsetting my friends. And Kirk St. Moritz allows no one to upset his friends. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? And what are you going to do about it? Kirk basically gives them two options here. He says, we could either, and then it quite cleverly cuts to an outside exterior view of the boozer while you hear all these fighting noises. <laughs> yes. And then it cuts back in inside where Kurt's got the main guy pinned to the wall and he's coolly saying, oh, we could talk about it. <laughs> Everything's already played out because as the camera pans back, you see the remainder of this gang sprawled amidst like a bedlam of broken chairs and yeah. mayhem. It's dropped a god's tone, aren't they? They're all in agony. Mm. So basically they're... The, the gang leave with a tail between the legs. They're even singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas as they go. Yeah, such a weird turn of events, really, isn't it? They're, they've gone from being these, like, big bully boys to, yeah, just leaving yeah, and... carol singers. Yeah. Kirk struts up to Kate and he says he'll be hitching a lift to the restaurant with her as the Porsche is still in dock. Puts his arm around and the two of them leave with her sort of seemingly impressed, which maybe speaks to that... Thing that Belinda told us about it's not really written for women this is it it's not really no, <laughs> I don't think I she would be I want to find out though I, I feel like I've I, there's, there's so much that I wanted to find out after this episode well yeah she's still got she's still got Christos at home she has and I wouldn't have thought that would be sufficient to have um, won around on Kirk's behalf but anyway I mean it's a nice it's a nice ending to them we don't see them again after that do we and then the scene ends with, with Ralph still pegged up triumphantly, sort of, sort of washing his hands, doesn't he, and saying, I won't have any trouble with them anymore. Yeah. Oh, Ralph, he's ace. Although one of them left saying he was going to get a machete. So, yeah, I won't be so confident. But um, next thing we see, John's entering his flat. He's had a lift home, presumably from the restaurant or maybe somewhere they went on afterwards. Yeah. He had a lift from Ralph, but not in the sidecar, which is missing. Probably in a doorway of a CNA. <laughs> probably is, yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. So, so John must have had a backy then, I guess. Because <laughs> there's no motorcycle combination. What a vision. <laughs> and, <laughs> again, if I had the skills, I'd mock up some sort of visual representation of that and share it. John enters his enters his, his little shithole and he sort of grimly looks around at it before returning to the hallway because the phone's ringing. So he's, he's out there to answer the phone, beats Mrs. Lemensky yeah. to the phone. And the most uncomfortable bit of this entire episode for me because it's Wendy. Ugh. Ooh, Wendy. Ooh. She says there's been an accident, which is a cruel way of saying it because he, he must obviously think it's Toby, but it turns out it's Mike. And Mike's broken his leg at the rugby. To John's oh. absolute delight. <laughs> you wouldn't do that, would you? You wouldn't introduce the, the, the start of the conversation with that, knowing what John's going to think. But some people just do that, don't they? Some people are just dramatic like that. Yeah, they like to string it out. And Wendy is. Yeah. But it turns out Mike's got a compound fracture, so John does that thing where he thanks God and punches he the does. air. He does. Punches the air, doesn't he? At this point, like, I'm wondering what Wendy's motives are for even calling and telling John, but it quickly becomes clear. Because Mike's going to have the operation tomorrow, which is Christmas mm. Day. Yeah. He's going to be in hospital for two weeks. 
and the manipulative old sow is basically feeling sorry for herself because she's going to be alone at Christmas because obviously Toby's away, as we said earlier, in Cheshire. Yes. She's doing her best to tempt John over the phone with tales of food and drink and yuletide logs and things. This is on the back of asking John to go and visit Mike as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, the, what kind of world would that happen? Well... Don't like Wendy. She's an awful person, yeah. She is. Sure. John, John says at this point, I'm looking at the back of my shirt to see if there's a number, number 12 on it, which I think is a joke that didn't really land. No. But she, he's basically saying, I'm the substitute and I know that you're using me. Oh, OK, right. Do you remember the Christmases before Toby was born? Do you remember that silly game we used to play after dinner? Yes. You always won, didn't you? Yes. No one would ever know. It'd be our little secret. It'd be very daring. You liked it when it was daring, didn't you? Yes. What do you think? She's giving it large with this bloody flirting voice that she's got, and it gives me the boke. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah. It is, Ugh. even at the end when she does that kissy noise. Ugh. Oh, God, Shut no. up, Wendy. So John's really torn. He's unsure what he's going to do. Mm. But Wendy says she's going to leave an extra cracker out and then says, bye, darling, and like you say, she blows him a vomit-inducing kiss. Mm. As John wrestles with his principles, out loud, of course, because there's nobody else to... To talk to yeah, there's no one to talk to anybody else about it. He seems to be basically be deciding, fuck it, she can use my body like a piece of meat. And he's singing jingle bells and sort of he might be starting to pack a bag or something, I'm not entirely sure. Mm. But but Mrs. Lemensky comes in with a return Christmas card for John. Because he gave her one. She's gone out and bought him a bigger one. Oh. <laughs> and John, and this is really moving, he gives Mrs. Lemensky something really special. The record that she referenced at the start of the show by that opera singer uh, that she used to dance. Yeah, she used to dance with it on Christmas Eve with Branislav. And she's really moved, isn't she? Mm. She says, thank you, mad person. I love it. I love it. I think it's what a a nice gesture on John's John's behalf. John, at this point, he puts it on his turntable for her and and it starts to play it. Not much of a toe-tapper. No. But she loves it, doesn't she? She goes into a sort of reverie and then John asks her to dance. And there's a lovely scene with them dancing around John's dingy flat and she's singing yeah. along. Absolutely lovely. With sepia tones and, yeah, it was it was a really nice scene. And then Mrs. Lemensky curtsies at the end to John. Aww. And he puts the record back in the sleeve and gives it to her. And then she insists he must come for Christmas dinner. John starts to protest. Obviously, he's now made his mind up that he's going to Wendy's. But she's basically saying, oh, I never eat Christmas dinner. In fact, I always eat alone. And John's like, John wants to bonk, went, bonk. Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back on some journalist talk again. No one said bonk for about 25 years. Give bonk. He wants to go and give her one. <laughs> if the thought of that could have been made any worse, it was with the addition of the word bonk. Ugh, <laughs> 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 yuck. Oh, it's worse. Anyways, but John decides, doesn't he, because Mrs. Lemensky's so insistent, she doesn't want to be alone. 
he knows it's the right thing to do and he, he's always guided by his moral compass so he decides he won't bunk Wendy. <laughs> yeah, don't bunk Wendy. No bunking. And there's one final gag as Mrs. Lemensky says, John reminds her of Branislav. He was a rotten dancer as well. Oh, I thought that was going to go in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that made me feel a bit uncomfortable, but it didn't. didn't she was going to ram her tongue down his throat, did you? I thought that she might take advantage of John, but she doesn't. I'm no good. bonking. No bonking. No. Nope. Nope. Just dancing. And he's a bad dancer at that. And there, uh, the episode and the series and the show ends. Yeah. Seems we've sung love's last song, dear John. I don't know what to say, because it wasn't a very satisfactory ending for me. I, I, I know it was the end of, even as a Christmas special, with the, with the thought that it might continue, it just felt very, oh, I don't know. Well, I think it's a bit like some of his other work, in that mm. the protagonists are tryhards, but they never quite, it never quite works out for them. And I think, yeah. given this wasn't written as an ending to the entire thing, it's like, and also the protagonists generally tend to do the good thing, to do the right thing. Yeah. So I thought it was a sweet ending because of mm. the decision he made. And also, I enjoyed the fact that Wendy didn't get her own way. Yes. But obviously, because it never comes back, the the unanswered questions around John and Wendy, Kirk and Kate. And, yeah. and for me, the big thing is, is the Kirk versus Eric identity. You just want to see that play out more. Look, I think we said in previous episodes that it would surprise, surprise us if John Sullivan hadn't had more stories involving this duality of Kirk to come. And none of it gets resolved. And and where the fuck is Mrs. Arnott? <laughs> yeah, she never came back from looking after her grandchildren. So, yeah. God, yeah. And where's Tosh from the bill? It's so so many unanswered questions. There are. There must be. Do you think there's some fan fiction somewhere deep in the internet and that, that carry on this tale? Because I, I, I feel like I need to find out. Well, if any listeners want to write us some, some brief, brief, <laughs> must underline the word brief. <laughs> And non-sexual fan fiction. We'll read it in the next episode. I want to know what I want to know what happens. If it's any good, I mean, if it's fucking yeah. awful, we won't. But uh, if it's any good and you <laughs> want to write it, because we are going to do one more on this sort of dear John, yes, thing as we as we alluded to earlier. The other thing I wanted to say about this final episode is that Sheila Manahan, who played mm. Kirk's mom, the character that you hated, yeah, she died only a few weeks after this episode aired. Is that right? It's a bit like the. Um, Lord Melbury situation, he died shortly after that one aired. Oh, right, okay. This was her last screen appearance, and she was married to Fulton Mackay, who played... Um, God, it's, I've got blanked. Do you know what I mean, don't you, in Porridge? The main prison guard in Porridge. Yes, I do. Mr. Yes. Mr. Mackay. Yeah. I don't know why I blanked, because the guy's name was Fulton Mackay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what threw you. Yeah, the same name in, in real life. Yeah, must be. I was thinking, I can't be it. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, she was married to Fulton Mackay, who had also died just shortly before this had filmed. What? So they followed each other quite quickly. Oh, there you go. And that's that. Did you get any bric a brac in this final one? I did. There was the record player that I alluded to earlier because it reminded me of the one that we had to buy to play my granddad's records. Of course. Um, that sort of box thing, and it was like a everything. The, the turntable was in there. The speakers were in there. The lid was in there. It was all like a one-unit piece. There was a, 
an upturned fruit box on top of the wardrobe as well. That I, I know you can still get boxes with company names on the side of them, but it, it just it just stuck out as being of of the time, the lettering, the colour. It was all very. 1987. That's been there all the way through the series, you know that. Has it really? Yeah. I only spotted it in this episode. I nearly, I, I nearly picked it myself, but I couldn't okay. quite make out what it said on it. It was Zerkas, Zer- which I think I, I did do a, a quick Google, and I think it's um, an Australian fruit company. Mm, okay. Must have been having a lovely dinner. I bet, yeah. Chopped up peaches and cheese. Yep, lovely. <laughs> I didn't. I just forgot, sorry. <laughs> Didn't, okay. do my, didn't do my job this week. I was just too distracted by the emotion of the episode. Yeah. We'll leave the MVP to last, I think. Should we have a little trip to Fashion Corner first? Yes, let's do that. Whatever happened to those clothes we It seems we never wear those clothes no So the start of Fashion Corner this week, the singers that turn up at John's door right at the beginning of the episode in the first scene, um, singing Christmas carols, they are, I think we assume that they're both, the both skinheads dressed in the olive green nylon MA1 bomber jackets with orange lining. Um, I think we've mentioned these before. These are jackets that were issued to the US military in the 1950s so that they could could be worn inside out so that if anyone needed to to be found, the the orange of the inside of the jacket was like, it caught people's eye and um, Mm. people could be rescued, like especially in like rescue missions. They both had these these jackets on. You can still get them today. I quite I quite like that look, that aesthetic. And I think I remember kids at school in, in the eighties having these coats as well. Sylvia, we see her later in this episode in a blue dress with like an Aztec theme um, in black and a black headband. She always wears a lot of headbands. I think Sylvia. She does she? actually. Yeah, she always if, maybe a flower sometimes or yeah. She's always adorned. Her head's always adorned with 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 something. Um, Eric in this episode and I know that I did mention Eric's the alter ego look that he had which I said was quite an an attractive look now because it's like a bit of a hipstery geeky look that Mm. was supposed to in the 80s look really dowdy and unattractive which doesn't seem to work in, in 2022 I don't think this in this episode he has the Eric character has he's got different glasses on which I think was supposed to look more geeky than last time but I, I don't know you could, Peter Blake I, uh, he's very handsome he's very difficult there's to... not much you can do to Peter Blake to make him look unattractive I don't think I agree green and mustard check jumper with a very pointed collared shirt um, but it's still it's still got that geeky chic look to it it's, it, it's, it's hard to really find fault with it the hair and, and the face is still the same He's got like blue grey slacks on, so so yeah. The, the the Eric look in this episode is slightly different to the last one, but it's still not an unattractive look, despite the fact that I think it was supposed to be. Wendy, when she comes to the door to see Toby off, she's in a red tartan dress with a black roll neck jumper underneath. Mm. Uh, very Christmassy, very Christmassy um, look about her. Louise in the pub when they're meeting to go for lunch. She's got like a white woolen coat on with huge buttons and a high collar. Chunky gold necklaces, which she she does wear week in, week out, with a red blouse and black skirt. Very off of the time. 
when Kate turns back up from um, from Greece to meet them for lunch, she's she's I don't know, she's looking different, I think, with the hair and the tan. But she's got like a blue grey sweatshirt material top on with tiny polka dot details all over it. Um the, she's got permed hair now, which she didn't have when she left. Yeah, that's true. And it's like pulled back in it in that that sort of eighties look of of like clips in the sides. So you just clip the sides back with with like these comb clips. Yes. So yeah, she she I thought she looked very cute. And obviously she's yeah, she's 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 back from a from a jollies and, and just looking out a little bit I don't know. Look, radiant. Look a bit, just chilled radiant and chilled out, I think. It's all about my taxa. It must be. And sex. Uh, my, yeah, the sex might have helped. Yeah. That's the kind of guy I am. Well then, I think that brings us to the MVP for this episode and for the entire series. So did you have one? For this episode, I mean. I'm a little bit torn. I don't know which way to go on this because Eric and, and Kirk, we have separated them out, haven't we, as two different characters. We have, yeah. And uh Eric made the decision, the brave decision, to become Kirk to help his friends. But it was Kirk that did the helping in the end. That's the problem with doing it. I mean, we can always treat them as the same character. Last time you voted for Eric, I could amalgamate that with the Kirk votes, if you like. Because, I mean, it is the same guy. I feel like it's the same person. The, the the conscience is in there, isn't it? Of that one. Yeah. Do you know what? Can we do that? And okay. I will. I will... But I'll, I'll put my vote forward for Kerrick. For Kerrick? Yes. Now, I want to give it to Kerrick. Mm. But I feel like he made the wrong decision. That he should have just stuck up for his friends as Eric. Easy to say okay. because, well, in fact, I mean, I wouldn't have done. I'd have scarpered. I'll tell you now. I'd have been a coward. Yeah, run, off you run outside yeah. and, and find the nearest phone box and, and phone the police from it. I mean, yeah, he did help his friends out, but... John's actions for Mrs. Lemensky yeah. winning the MVP for me because I just thought okay. it was so lovely what he yeah. did for Mrs. Lemensky. Both buying the record and having Christmas dinner with her. Just a good egg, as we always say. I know yeah. that you started having your doubts about John, but I don't know, by the time it finished, have you have you come round to thinking he's a good egg again? My only reason for not picking John, because I totally agree with all that, was that I felt like it was a, a resentful decision that he made to have Christmas dinner with Mrs. Lemensky. I think he did it because he felt like he had to rather than because he wanted to. Well, yeah, but he and didn't. He still wanted to go and bunk Wendy. He did want to bunk Wendy. He didn't have to. He could have just said, I'm sorry, I've got plans. I still felt that that he's, that he's at the end, it was like, oh, yeah, Merry Christmas. Like as if, oh, I've got to go and do this now. Okay. That was my only reason for not giving him. Harsh, but, you know, mm. I can understand Kerrick getting it as well. Yeah. Would you like me to give you the final scores then? Yeah, go on. In reverse order? Mm. We have one vote for Kate. One abstention. <laughs> <laughs> I refused to vote in one episode because no one impressed me. <laughs> it's kind of like a hell of a... Um, indictment of Kate that she got the same amount of votes as an abstention. As an abstention, yeah. Sylvia got two votes, despite only being in it in for in about five episodes or so. Yeah. Louise also got two votes. Mrs. Arnott got three votes. Ooh. Ralph got four votes. 
and then Kirk got Kirk slash Eric got seven, and John got eight. Oh, well, there you go. That's okay, isn't it? So my my decision there was kind of, uh, well, yeah, it all all boiled down to that last decision. Yeah, yeah. Even with an abstention, I love that. Even with the abstention, yeah. I forgot about the abstention. <laughs> yeah, I threw my toys out of the pram that day, didn't I? No, <laughs> no one's getting it. it. So congratulations to, to John Lacey, who never yeah. wins at life, but he, he did when it comes to the MVP on our podcast. Well, that's lovely. Now then, I, I guess um, as this is the end of the series, people will people who listen at least and who are into this sort of, not only this series, but our previous series, will want to know what we're going to do next. Mm. Truth be told, we haven't really decided yet, have we? No, it's a tricky one. Does, uh, by all means, still send us your suggestions as long as it's not Reggie Perry. Yeah, <laughs> we, did, we tried. We really tried. But, I mean, prior to doing anything, we'll be taking a well-deserved break because um, we put a lot into this podcast. It takes up a hell of a lot of time and effort, doesn't it? So, For you, for you it does. With all the editing, it definitely is. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, just a... I mean, I enjoy it, but it's, you know, you've got yeah. to view it, make notes, edit, all the promotion and stuff. So if you'd like to say thank you for this series and help us pay our bills, because we do have a few, you can make a one-off donation to us via our website at sado.club. Help us uh, keep going. You can also get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Um, we're quite active on all those profiles, particularly, I, I think, probably primarily on both Twitter and the Facebook group page that we have, which is a growing community and quite like people just, just to post their own contributions about any old sitcom really on there. If you, yeah. if you join, just, you know, make it a nice little community hub would be lovely. Um, we'll still be posting stuff about Dear John and Faulty and, and The Good Life while we're not making podcasts for the next few months. Um, there is, however, as we alluded to, one more Dear John themed episode that we'll do based on the US version of Dear John. We're calling it Shallow Dive, aren't we, Al? Yeah. I think it, it'll, for us to do that and, and it be the American version, I think it, it'd just be nice to, to, to see it and to share that with people that have, that have followed us throughout this series. Just to, just to compare the differences and see, and, and the similarities as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're not quite sure when that's going to, pop up and when we're gonna when we're gonna record in yeah but hopefully it'll be a nice surprise when it pops into your podcast app at some point over the next few weeks or months and then yeah. eventually we'll be back with series four um and i think guess the only last thing to say other than i'll see thee which i will say shortly but if, if i yeah. beat you to doing it <laughs> <laughs> is that i don't think we mentioned it before explicitly and maybe we did on the will bait yeah we did on a will bates episode but mm. the Ralph Bates Pancreatic Cancer Research Fund yes. in Ralph Bates' memory exists and they do great work and they accept donations. And I think if you don't want to give us a donation or you're tempted to give us a donation, but you also want to give a donation to that, we're quite happy if, if you just give the money yeah, to Yeah, do that. Yeah, because cause, uh, Ralph Bates was a most underrated actor and he gave us some great laughs and great moments in this show and we've loved deep diving it. That's about it. And it's a bit of a downer to leave it on though, isn't it? Eh? I know. Shall I just say bonk one more time? Please. Bonk. (laughs) Instead of I'll see thee, just bonk. Leave it on that. Go forth and bonk like Kate did in Greece. Enjoy the Metaxa. Bye! (laughs) 
Yeah.